0: section seventeen of the trial of susan b anthony by anonymous this librivox recording is in the public domain address of susan b anthony part two but it is urged the use of the masculine pronouns he his and him in all the constitutions and laws is proof that only men were meant to be included in their provisions if you insist on this version of the letter of the law, we shall insist that you be consistent, and accept the other horn of the dilemma, which would compel you to exempt women from taxation for the support of the government, and from penalties for the violation of laws. A year and a half ago I was at Walla Walla, Washington Territory. I saw there a theatrical company called the Pixley Sisters, playing before crowded houses every night of the whole week of the territorial fair the eldest of these three fatherless girls was scarce eighteen yet every night a united states officer stretched out his long fingers and clutched six dollars of the proceeds of the exhibitions of those orphan girls who but a few years before were half starvelings in the streets of olympia the capital of that far-off northwest territory so the poor widow who keeps a boarding-house manufactures shirts or sells apples and peanuts on the street corners of our cities is compelled to pay taxes from her scanty pittance i would that the women of this republic at once resolve never again to submit to taxation until their right to vote be recognized miss sarah e wall of worcester massachusetts twenty years ago took this position FOR SEVERAL YEARS THE OFFICERS OF THE LAW DISTRAINED HER PROPERTY, AND SOLD IT TO MEET THE NECESSARY AMOUNT. STILL SHE PERSISTED, AND WOULD NOT YIELD AN IOTA, THOUGH EVERY FOOT OF HER LAND SHOULD BE STRUCK OFF UNDER THE HAMMER. AND NOW, FOR SEVERAL YEARS, THE ASSESSOR HAS LEFT HER NAME OFF THE TAX-LIST, AND THE COLLECTOR PASSED HER BY WITHOUT A CALL. Mrs. J. S. WEEDON OF VIROQUA, WISCONSIN for the past six years has refused to pay her taxes, though the annual assessment is seventy five dollars. Mrs. Ellen Van Valkenburgh, of Santa Cruz, California, who sued the county clerk for refusing to register her name, declares she will never pay another dollar of tax until allowed to vote. And all over the country, women property holders are waking up to the injustice of taxation without representation and ere long will refuse en masse to submit to this imposition. There is no she or her or hers in the tax laws. The statute of New York reads, Every person shall be assessed in the town or ward where he resides, when the assessment is made, for the lands owned by him, etc., Every collector shall call at least once on the person taxed, or at his usual place of residence, and shall demand payment of the taxes charged on him. If any one shall refuse to pay the tax imposed on him, the collector shall levy the same by distress and sale of his property. The same is true of all the criminal laws. No person shall be compelled to be a witness against himself, etc. The same with the law of May thirty first, 1870, the 19th section of which I am charged with having violated. Not only are all the pronouns in it masculine, but everybody knows that that particular section was intended expressly to hinder the rebels from voting. It reads, If any person shall knowingly vote without his having a lawful right, etc., precisely so with all the papers served on me the u s marshal's warrant the bail bond the petition for habeas corpus the bill of indictment not one of them had a feminine pronoun printed in it but to make them applicable to me the clerk of the court made a little carrot at the left of he and placed an s over it thus making she out of he then the letters i s were scratched out, the little carrot under, and E.R. over, to make her out of his. And I insist, if government officials may thus manipulate the pronouns to tax, fine, imprison, and hang women, women may take the same liberty with them to secure to themselves their right to a voice in the government. So long as any classes of men were denied their right to vote, the government made a show of consistency by exempting them from taxation when a property qualification of two hundred and fifty dollars was required of black men in new york they were not compelled to pay taxes so long as they were content to report themselves worth less than that sum but the moment the black man died and his property fell to his widow or daughter the black woman's name would be put on the assessor's list and she be compelled to pay taxes on the same property exempted to her husband. The same is true of ministers in New York. So long as the minister lives, he is exempted from taxation on $1,500 of property, but the moment the breath goes out of his body, his widow's name will go down on the assessor's list, and she will have to pay taxes on the $1,500 so much for the special legislation in favor of women in all of the penalties and burdens of the government except the military women are reckoned as citizens equally with men also in all the privileges and immunities save those of the jury-box and ballot-box the two fundamental privileges on which rest all the others the United States Government not only taxes, fines, imprisons, and hangs women, but it allows them to preempt lands, register ships, and take out passport and naturalization papers. Not only does the law permit single women and widows to the right of naturalization, but Section two says, A married woman may be naturalized without the concurrence of her husband. I wonder the fathers were not afraid of creating discord in the families of foreigners. And again, when an alien, having complied with the law, and declared his intention to become a citizen, dies before he is actually naturalized, his widow and children shall be considered citizens, entitled to all the rights and privileges as such, on taking the required oath. If a foreign-born woman, by becoming a naturalized citizen, is entitled to all the rights and privileges of citizenship, is not a native-born woman by her national citizenship possessed of equal rights and privileges? The question of masculine pronouns, yes, and nouns, too, has been settled by the United States Supreme Court. In the case of Silver v. Ladd, December 1868, in a decision as to whether a woman was entitled to lands under the Oregon Donation Law of eighteen fifty, Elizabeth Crothers, a widow, settled upon a claim and received patents. She died, and her son was heir. He died. then Messrs Ladd and Nott took possession under the general preemption law, December eighteen sixty one the Administrator, E. P. Silver, applied for a writ of ejectment at the Land Office in Oregon City. Both the Register and Receiver decided that an unmarried woman could not hold land under that law. The Commissioner of the General Land Office at Washington, and the Secretary of the Interior, also gave adverse opinions. Here, patents were issued to Lad and Knott, and duly recorded. Then a suit was brought to set aside Ladd's patent, and it was carried through all the State Courts and the Supreme Court of Oregon, each in turn giving adverse decisions. At last, in the United States Supreme Court, Associate Justice Miller reversed the decisions of all the lower tribunals, and ordered the land back to the heirs of Mrs. Crothers. The Court said, in construing a benevolent statute of the government, made for the benefit of its own citizens, inviting and encouraging them to settle on its distant public lands, the words single man and unmarried man may, especially if aided by the context and other parts of the statute, be taken in a generic sense, held accordingly that the fourth section of the Act of Congress of September 27, 1850, granting by way of donation lands in the oregon territory to every white settler or occupant american half-breed indians included embraced within the term single man an unmarried woman and the attorney who carried this question to its final success is now the united states senator-elect from oregon hon j h mitchell in whom the cause of equal rights to women has an added power on the floor of the united states senate though the words persons people inhabitants electors citizens are all used indiscriminately in the national and state constitutions there was always a conflict of opinion prior to the war as to whether they were synonymous terms as for instance no person shall be a representative who shall not have been seven years a citizen, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that State in which he is chosen. No person shall be a senator who shall not have been a citizen of the United States and an inhabitant of that State in which he is chosen. But whatever room there was for a doubt under the old regime, the adoption of the fourteenth amendment settled that question forever in its first sentence, all persons born or naturalized in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the united states and of the state wherein they reside and the second settles the equal status of all persons all citizens no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens nor shall any state deprive any person of life liberty or property without due process of law nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws the only question left to be settled now is are women persons and i hardly believe any of our opponents will have the hardihood to say they are not being persons then women are citizens and no state has a right to make any new law, or to enforce any old law, that shall abridge their privileges or immunities. Hence every discrimination against women in the constitutions and laws of the several states is to-day null and void, precisely as is every one against negroes. Is the right to vote one of the privileges or immunities of citizens? i think the disenfranchised ex-rebels and the ex-state prisoners will all agree with me that it is not only one of them but the one without which all the others are nothing seek first the kingdom of the ballot and all things else shall be given thee is the political injunction webster worcester and bouvier all define citizen to be a person in the united states entitled to vote and hold office. Prior to the adoption of the 13th Amendment, by which slavery was forever abolished, and black men transformed from property to persons, the judicial opinions of this country had always been in harmony with these definitions. To be a person was to be a citizen, and to be a citizen was to be a voter. Associate Justice Washington, in defining the privileges and immunities of the citizen, more than fifty years ago, said they included all the privileges as were fundamental in their nature, and among them is the right to exercise the elective franchise and to hold office. Even the Dred Scott decision, pronounced by the abolitionists and Republicans infamous, because it had virtually declared black men had no rights white men were bound to respect gave this true and logical conclusion that to be one of the people was to be a citizen and a voter chief justice daniels said there is not it is believed to be found in the theories of writers on government or in any actual experiment heretofore tried an exposition of the term citizen which has not been considered as conferring the actual possession and enjoyment of the perfect right of acquisition and enjoyment of an entire equality of privileges, civil and political. Associate Justice Tawney said, The words people of the United States and citizens are synonymous terms, and mean the same thing. They both describe the political body, who according to our republican institutions form the sovereignty and who hold the power and conduct the government through their representatives. They are what we familiarly call the sovereign people, and every citizen is one of this people and a constituent member of this sovereignty. Thus does Justice Tawney's decision which was such a terrible ban to the black man when he was a slave now that he is a person no longer property pronounce him a citizen possessed of an entire equality of privileges civil and political and not only the black man but the black woman and all women as well and it was not until after the abolition of slavery by which the negroes became free men hence citizens that the united states attorney general bates rendered a contrary opinion he said the constitution uses the word citizen only to express the political quality not equality mark of the individual in his relation to the nation to declare that he is a member of the body politic and bound to it by the reciprocal obligations of allegiance on the one side and protection on the other the phrase a citizen of the united states without addition or qualification, means neither more nor less than a member of the nation. Then, to be a citizen of this republic is no more than to be a subject of an empire. You and I and all true and patriotic citizens must repudiate this base conclusion. We all know that American citizenship, without addition or qualification, means the possession of equal rights civil and political we all know that the crowning glory of every citizen of the united states is that he can either give or withhold his vote from every law and every legislator under the government did i am a roman citizen mean nothing more than that i am a member of the body politic of the republic of rome bound to it by the reciprocal obligations of allegiance on the one side and protection on the other ridiculously absurd question you say when you young man shall travel abroad among the monarchies of the old world and there proudly boast yourself an american citizen will you thereby declare yourself neither more nor less than a member of the american nation and this opinion of attorney-general bates that a black citizen was not a voter made merely to suit the political exigency of the republican party in that transition hour between emancipation and enfranchisement was no less infamous in spirit or purpose than was the decision of judge tawney that a black man was not one of the people rendered in the interest and at the behest of the old democratic party in its darkest hour of subjection to the slave power nevertheless all of the adverse arguments adverse congressional reports and judicial opinions thus far have been based on this purely partisan time-serving opinion of general bates that the normal condition of the citizen of the united states is that of disenfranchisement that only such classes of citizens as have had special legislative guarantee have a legal right to vote and if this decision of attorney general bates was infamous as against black men but yesterday plantation slaves what shall we pronounce upon judge bingham in the house of representatives and carpenter in the senate of the united states for citing it against the women of the entire nation vast numbers of whom are the peers of these honorable gentlemen themselves in morals intellect culture wealth family paying taxes on large estates and contributing equally with them and their sex in every direction to the growth prosperity and well-being of the republic and what shall be said of the judicial opinions of judges carter jameson mackay and sharswood all based upon this aristocratic monarchical idea of the right of one class to govern another i am proud to mention the names of the two united states judges who have given opinions honorable to our republican idea and honorable to themselves judge howe of wyoming territory and judge underwood of virginia the former gave it as his opinion a year ago when the legislature seemed likely to revoke the law enfranchising the women of that territory that in case they succeeded the women would still possess the right to vote under the fourteenth amendment judge underwood of virginia in noticing the recent decision of judge carter of the supreme court of the district of columbia denying to women the right to vote under the fourteenth and fifteenth amendment says if the people of the united states by amendment of their constitution could expunge without any explanatory or assisting legislation an adjective of five letters from all state and local constitutions and thereby raise millions of our most ignorant fellow-citizens to all of the rights and privileges of electors why should not the same people by the same amendment expunge an adjective of four letters from the same state and local constitutions and thereby raise other millions of more educated and better informed citizens to equal rights and privileges without explanatory or assisting legislation if the fourteenth amendment does not secure to all citizens the right to vote for what purpose was that grand old charter of the fathers lumbered with its unwieldy proportions the republican party and judges howard and bingham who drafted the document pretended it was to do something for black men and if that something was not to secure them in their right to vote and hold office what could it have been for by the thirteenth amendment black men had become people and hence were entitled to all the privileges and immunities of the government precisely as were the women of the country, and foreign men not naturalized. According to Associate Justice Washington, they already had the protection of the government, the enjoyment to life and liberty, with the right to acquire and possess property of every kind, and to pursue and obtain happiness and safety, subject to such restraints as the government may justly prescribe for the general welfare of the whole." the right of a citizen of one state to pass through or to reside in any other state for the purpose of trade agriculture professional pursuit or otherwise to claim the benefit of the writ of habeas corpus to institute and maintain actions of any kind in the courts of the state to take hold and dispose of property either real or personal and an exemption from higher taxes or impositions than are paid by the other citizens of the state. Thus, you see, these newly freed men were in possession of every possible right, privilege, and immunity of the government, except that of suffrage, and hence needed no constitutional amendment for any other purpose. What right, I ask you, has the Irishman, the day after he receives his naturalization papers, that he did not possess the day before save the right to vote and hold office and the chinamen now crowding our pacific coast are in exactly the same position what privilege or immunity has california or oregon the constitutional right to deny them save that of the ballot clearly then if the fourteenth amendment was not to secure to black men their right to vote It did nothing for them, since they possessed everything else before. But if it was meant to be a prohibition to the States to deny or abridge their right to vote, which I fully believe, then it did the same for all persons, white women included, born or naturalized in the United States. For the amendment does not say all male persons of African descent but all persons are citizens the second section is simply a threat to punish the states by reducing their representation on the floor of congress should they disenfranchise any of their male citizens on account of color and does not allow of the inference that the states may disenfranchise from any or all other causes nor in any wise weaken or invalidate the universal guarantee of the first section What rule of law or logic would allow the conclusion that the prohibition of a crime to one person on severe pains and penalties was a sanction of that crime to any and all other persons save that one? Section seventeen.